I'm reading the very familiar passage from John's Gospel and chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Amen. We know it so well, don't we? John's Gospel, chapter 3, and especially, of course, verse 16. How many of us know equally as well 1 John 3, 16? 1 John 3:16 For this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life 
for us. What a parallel verse that is. <laughs> for this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. I'm pretty sure that all of us here this morning would have at least heard of, even though we may not remember, the Fab Four. The 1960s pop group from my home city, Liverpool, the Beatles. One of the most infamous songs, of course, was All You Need Is Love. All together now. All you need is love. That's right. All you need is love, love. Love is all you need. And of course, on this occasion, the Beatles were absolutely right. Love is indeed all you need. That is... So long as the love that you seek, and of course the love that you subsequently find, is the love of which the Lord Jesus spoke in his conversation with Nicodemus in John's Gospel chapter 3. So let's take a quick look at this very familiar story. And my friends, it will be worth our while, I promise you. One or two observations, if I may. Firstly, these verses show us what gross ignorance there may be in the mind of great and learned men and women. Here we see Nicodemus. We read in verse 1 that he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was a religious leader of his people. He was highly well-educated, an academic, a theologian. He knew the law of Moses probably better than most. A spiritual man. Religion was his life. He was this highly influential religious leader, unacquainted, it seems, unfamiliar with the first elements of saving religion. Bizarre. In verse 9, notice his question of Christ. How can this be? This was all that Nicodemus could say as Jesus spoke about the wonders of spiritual life. The wonders of the kingdom of God. How can this be? Now surely, if anyone in Christ's day would understand these wonders, Nicodemus and his like would. But not at all. What gross spiritual ignorance there was 
And, friends, there might well be in the minds of great and learned men and women. Ignorance like that of Nicodemus is unhappily far too common today. And learning and education and rank and even high ecclesiastical office are no proof of a genuine spiritual understanding or experience. We are reminded here, are we not, that spiritual things must be spiritually discerned. My friends, I might well be your pastor But I have news for you. I can do nothing this morning to help you discern spiritual things. For it is not by might nor power of man. It's not by the fluency of my preaching, though that's often not particularly fluent, not by the eloquency of my speech, though that's not particularly eloquent, not by the soundness of my argument, though that's not particularly sound. It's not by my endeavors at all. It is by His Holy Spirit. Yes, like Nicodemus, I've studied the Scriptures for many years. Like Nicodemus, I've been through the corridors of of academia and studied theology and, and church history for years. But absolutely nothing of Doug Atherton can open your eyes to the truth of the gospel. Nothing that I say this morning can unstop your ears that you might genuinely hear The words of life, it is all by the Spirit of God. All the learning, all the knowledge that this world offers will never of itself bring us into saving relationship with our Heavenly Father. All our faithful attendance to this corporate place of Christian worship will not in itself bring us into a saving faith with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His Holy Spirit Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14, The man, the woman, without the Spirit, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to them, and they cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. May I ask you this morning, are you spiritually discerning? I'm not interested whether you're enjoying this pla- this act of worship. Uh, I'm not interested whether you, you agree with what pastor is saying or not. Are you spiritually discerning? Is the Holy Spirit knocking on the door of your heart, endeavoring to speak to you about the wonders of salvation? about the wonders of the kingdom of God. If not, you are like Nicodemus. 
And what spiritual ignorance there might be, even in this place, amongst seasoned churchgoers, perhaps. Even in this place, amongst those who perhaps have read Scripture for years. Even in this place, who perhaps pride themselves in their attendance in the prayer meeting. My second observation, these verses show us, secondly, the original source from which man's salvation springs. And that source has nothing to do with earthly knowledge, or of the accumulation of wealth, or of the accumulation of power. That source even has nothing to do with attendance of some ecclesiastical place of worship. The source of our salvation this morning is the love of God the Father. Hallelujah. Our Lord Jesus says to learned Nicodemus, learned and yet so ignorant, for God so loved the world that he gave. Hallelujah. Does that not make your heart rejoice this morning? Ah, you say, Pastor, we know it well. Well, you should be double rejoicing then, shouldn't you? For God so loved the world. Hallelujah. Now you say, let's not get too excited about that. We're seasoned Baptists here after all. We've, we must keep our feet firmly on the ground. Don't want to be labeled as Pentecostals. But God so loved the world. Hallelujah. Isn't that something? It's something because the world doesn't deserve His love. Not at all. The world is in iniquity and sin because of the fault of our first parents, Adam and Eve. For all have sinned, says Paul, writing to the Romans, and fallen short of the glory of God. We've fallen short of the glory of God. We deserve nothing. And yet God so loved the world. Alec Passmore, uh, a seasoned preacher of the gospel, has retired now up in, uh, just outside Garstang in Lancashire. I remember him saying, uh, apply yourself to that verse, that verse to yourself. I was a young Christian at the time, and it blessed me. He says, put your name in, for God so loved Doug Atherton. Hallelujah. Isn't that something? Put your name in. Does it not resonate deeper? Does it not become more special, more meaningful for you? For God so loved Hallelujah. And because he's so loved, the source of our salvation is this love, vast as the ocean. So high we can't get over it. So low we can't get under it. So wide we can't get around it. Such is the wonderful love of God, vast as the ocean. This love, the source of our salvation, loved Doug Atherton so much, he sent his only begotten son. Why would he do that? Why would he do that for me? I'm a miserable so-and-so. I know that. You know it more than I, I guess. 
Father knows it more than any of us. I'm a miserable so-and-so. I'm prone to temptation and sin. So easily distracted and deflected in my Christian life and walk. He, he, he sent his son for me. For me. Hallelujah. This wonderful verse has been justly called by the 16th century Protestant reformer Martin Luther, the Bible in miniature. I like that. Because from Genesis through to Revelation, all 66 books of our canon of Scripture teach us about the source of our salvation. That source is the love of God manifested and demonstrated in and through His only begotten Son, Jesus. Isn't it wonderful? (laughs) The source of our salvation. Not my education, though I pride myself in it. Not my ordination. I've lost the ordination certificate somewhere from the Baptist Union. It's in the loft. No, my friends. Not my church membership. Not my church attendance. Not my knowledge of the scriptures. Not my prayer life. None of these things will save me. God's love will save me. Through Jesus. Isn't that something? God's love will save me through Jesus. Jesus Christ is God's gracious gift to the whole world. His gracious gift to me. Forgive me if at times I get a little excited. When I talk about Jesus. I get so excited Lord. When I realize I'm forgiven. Says the chorus writer. And why not? Ah, you think you you thought I was a good Baptist? You thought wrong. I'm a very poor Baptist, I have to say. Hold up my hands. Those who understand and appreciate Baptist theology and Baptist ecclesiology will know I'm a really, really poor Baptist. My excuse is I wasn't brought up a Baptist. I was brought up a Methodist. And I'm a an appalling Methodist. But I'm saved. Not because of my Methodist tradition. I'm saved. Not because of my Baptist membership. I'm saved. Not because I attend a lovely little church with lovely folk like yourself. I'm saved. Because my Father in Heaven loved me. He sent Jesus. Hallelujah. My third observation. These verses show us thirdly the peculiar plan. By which the love of God has provided salvation for us sinners. I say peculiar plan. If I sat down at my desk and planned a way of salvation for humankind tomorrow, I would not come up with this, would you? How many of us would would have planned the salvation of humankind by sending our only begotten child to die? I'm so grateful that it wasn't dependent upon my plan. (laughs) Hallelujah. Are we humans? We're still tempted to plan, aren't we? We're still tempted to, to put into action the way we think salvation should pan out. We call it religion. Religion. Religion's man's attempts to get to God. 
Christianity, hallelujah, is God's attempts to reach down to man. And there's a fundamental difference. How sad it is that in these latter days, in these early years of the 21st century, mankind are still persevering in their religion to get to God. Still trying to be religious enough. Still trying to be good enough. Still trying to impress the bishop and the archbishops enough. Still trying, still trying, still trying, doing their penance, saying the, the, the Hail Marys. Still trying, still trying. Always failing. But bless God this morning. My Christian faith, my salvation does not depend upon my efforts. What a peculiar plan God put in place when he sought to provide salvation. That plan is the atoning death of Jesus Christ, his own dear son on the cross. Prophetically to Nicodemus, Jesus said in verses 14 through 15, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. What is he on about, you're thinking? What is he on about? Well, he's speaking language that arguably Nicodemus would understand. So he's speaking contextually. (laughs) We need to learn from that, don't we? How often as evangelicals we speak a language that those outside these doors haven't a clue about? And we get frustrated when they don't come to church. Jesus was being contextual in his evangelistic effort. He was speaking a language that would resonate in the heart and mind of Nicodemus, this academic, this scholar familiar with the, with the Pentateuch, the law of Moses. Just as Moses was lifting up, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. He was speaking prophetically of his own death as he would be lifted up on Calvary's hill for all to see. Nailed on, on a Roman gallows, crucified for us. And when Jesus died upon the cross, our many sins, my many sins, were laid upon him. Jesus took the penalty that Doug Atherton deserved. Jesus took the punishment that was mine. He was pierced, says Isaiah, for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. The punishment that brought me peace was upon him. And by his wounds, I am healed. Hallelujah. Now then, how many of us would have dreamt up this plan of salvation? Not one of us. But you see, God knows. He's the omniscient one. He's the all-knowing one. God knows what was necessary. He knew that the only way we could be redeemed of our sins is that the penalty for our sins would be taken by one who was without sin. And in the history of humankind, there has only been one born without sin. One who lived without sin. One who could therefore take upon himself my punishment. The word, if you're a theologian, is 
efficacious. I like it. I like the word. It took me years to understand it. If I, if I do, efficacious. You see, because he was without sin, he only could be efficacious. Bear my sin in his body on the tree. John says, 1 John 3, 16, this is love. The Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Hallelujah. Who of us would have dreamt up such a wild and wacky plan? None of us but God. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Doesn't he just bless your socks off this morning? Are you rejoicing in your salvation? Or maybe you're thinking to yourself, I'm not rejoicing. Something's missing in me. Here I am in this place of Christian worship. But that bloke at the front has perhaps something that I don't have. My fourth observation is, notice how these verses show the way in which the benefits of Christ's death are made our own. It's so important this morning that what we hear and maybe accept in our heads drops 12 inches to our hearts. We must believe. We must believe. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Christ, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hallelujah. Wow, that sounds simple you say, Pastor. And I tell you something, it's as simple as that. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. An acknowledgement, an acknowledgement as to the Lordship of Christ and believe in your heart. Believe in your heart. Simply putting faith and trust in Christ. Faith is the same thing as believing, friends. Jesus says in verse 18, Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. Hallelujah. Isn't it something? It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I'm looking at, I'm looking at, from a worldly perspective, a condemned people. <sighs> Ouch. I am. But if you're in Christ, and if you believe, I'm looking at a redeemed people. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful? I am redeemed, oh praise the Lord. Because I believe, I believe, if you believe, you are not condemned. But notice what Jesus says there. We need to, to, to understand it. He says, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Ooh. What's that mean, you say? I tell you what it means. There's no middle ground. 
There's no fence, no wall upon which we might sit whilst we make up our minds or whilst we while away the hours or whilst we, de- we decide whether we should or whether we shouldn't. you know what I mean? Where am I going? Which way? Oh, no, 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 no. Jesus says you're either with me or you're lost. Or you're lost. Whoever does not believe Stands condemned already. Oh, my friends. Jesus has paid the penalty for your sin and mine. He has bore in his body on the cross what we deserve. Eternal damnation. Eternal separation from the love of the Father in heaven. But he's took that upon himself. He's done all that is necessary. That we might be redeemed. What we need to do. Is believe. How may I believe you say. I'm praying already for you my friend. That the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Will touch your heart now. And unstop your ears. That you might hear. Wow. Might open your heart. That you might receive that salvation might come. It's like the spiritual penny dropping. And my many words, they are many, look, the clock's gone. My many words can do nothing. But the Holy Spirit, oh, Holy Spirit, come in power. Open our hearts. To receive your word. That salvation might come to this place. We began by talking about the 1960s pop group, the Beatles. They sang a lot about love, as modern and contemporary pop groups do. The sad thing is, whilst they sang about love... True love, as I understand it, they never found. How sad. I guess there's still chance for at least two of the four. In 1965, the Beatles released a smash hit. It went like this. I'm not going to sing it. I'm tempted. When I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. But now I'm older and I'm not so self-assured. Now I find I've changed my mind and I've opened up the door. Help me if you can. I'm feeling down. And I do appreciate you being round. Help me get my feet upon the ground. Won't you please, please help me? John Lennon. In an interview in Rolling Stone magazine, 12 months before his brutal killing in New York, said, and I quote, When I wrote Help in 1965, it was hailed as just another advance in rock music. What nobody understood was that it was the cry of my heart which no one came to answer. How tragic. It was the cry of my heart 
that no one came to answer. Where was the church? Where were the children of God? The children of light? Where were they? My friend, Jesus is the answer. Will you not allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart to receive Him and His Word unto salvation? And my friend, if you're in Christ, but it all seems a little too much like hard work, you need to be revived. You need renewal in the inner person. Will you not cry? (laughs) Will you not revive me again? Lord, renew in me a steadfast spirit. Lord, refresh my soul with a fresh outpouring of your Spirit. Rekindle those burning embers once again. That I, like the pastor, might jump up and down like a loony because I'm excited about Jesus. Would you get the guys to come in, Beth? We're going to pray whilst the young church are being gathered. And uh, they'll share with us shortly their, um, their efforts next door. But I want to pray uh, as they're gathering and preparing themselves. And I'm going to invite you to make uh, to respond to God this morning. Has God been speaking into your heart, into your life this morning? And you know deep down, as the Spirit knocks at the door of your heart, that you need to respond. Maybe salvation is your need. Will you respond to to God this morning and find salvation in Christ? Will you say, yes, Jesus, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Maybe as a Christian, the walk has become somewhat like drudgery. The joy has left. The peace is gone. My friend, would you not respond to God this morning in Christ? Lift up your heart and say, Father, I'm coming to you afresh. Touch me afresh. I'm going to pray pray with me. Almighty God, my loving Heavenly Father, I want, I need Jesus to save me. Will you forgive me of my sins? I confess my guilt. I acknowledge my need and I repent. Of my past life. Jesus. I welcome you. Into my heart. Into my life by your Holy Spirit. Will you save me? Will you anoint me? Will you change my life? That I might become a new creature. The old gone. The new come. Father, God in heaven, I'm struggling. The joy has been stolen. The peace has disappeared. My walk in Christ is a drudgery. I need revival. Refresh me, Jesus. Cleanse me. Purge me. With the hymn psalmist I say, cleanse, wash me, that I might be as white as snow. 
And restore unto me the joy of your salvation. We say amen, amen. And my brother, my sister, my friend, if you've prayed that prayer, either prayer this morning, please make it known. Speak to me as we leave. And I'll pray with you. Amen.